Amen. Everybody good this morning? We good? We good? We good? All right. All right. I'm feeling tired this morning, so you guys got to infuse me with some of your, your energy this morning. All right? I want to read some words from Matthew chapter 5 from the message paraphrase. I like this. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. I, I like it. I, I really like the way it words that. Uh, Jesus says, hey, hey, do you want to know why you're here? Do you want to know why you're in this building? want to know why you're in my family? Do you want to know why you're in this world? You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're, you're here to be light bringing out the God colors in the world. Since June the 1st, uh, we, we've been looking at a, a section of 1 Peter that we're calling somebody's watching us. And you know what? It's true. People in the world have been, are, and will continue to, to watch us, and there's nothing that you and I can do about it. And, and what our Savior King is asking us, what he's telling us, what he's commanding us to do is to use this watching as an opportunity to influence them, to use this watching as an opportunity to, to move them to believe in God, accept his message, surrender to his son, experience his forgiveness, and then to embrace the life that they were created to live. The theme verse for this section of Peter is 1 Peter 2.12. Uh, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now, over the last few weeks, as in this section, Peter is giving us three very, very practical and salty things that you and I can do that are guaranteed to make our light brighter, to make our salt saltier, that three things that are guaranteed to help you and I bring out the God flavors of this earth. But before I remind you of what those three things are, I think there's a very crucial question that each of us need to answer. Do I want to burn brighter? Do I, do I want my salt to be saltier? Um, uh, do I want my life to bring out the, the God flavors of this earth? I mean, do I? Do you? Does Maple Grove want to burn brighter, want to be saltier? Do you? Yeah, you do. And Peter goes, I'm so glad. And let me tell you how to do it. Let me show you how this, yes, I want to burn brighter, be saltier, bring out the God flavors of this earth. Let me tell you how you do it. One way is by dealing with sin and temptation differently than our world does. It is by 
running from evil desires. It's by getting a handle on sin. It's by not letting sin be our master. And listen, because of his grace and his spirit, sin does not have to be our master. You know, uh, we can overcome it. We'll never be sinless, but we definitely can sin less, right? And Peter says, and next, if you want your light to burn brighter, if you want your salt to be saltier, you can do that by submitting to those who have authority over you. Uh, by submitting to your government, by submitting to your employer, by submitting to your, to your parents, to your teachers, to the professors, administrators, but by submitting to your church leaders. When you and I, in a world that is so anti-authority, when we show respect and submission to authority, our light will burn brighter and our salt will be saltier. And then Peter says that our light will burn brighter and our salt will be saltier by following God's design in our marriages. Our marriages provide a huge opportunity to show the watching world that we are for real, and more importantly, that this guy Jesus who loves them and died for them is for real, that, that his way is the best way, uh, that his design for marriage actually works, and that those who choose it find that they have the marriage that they always wanted. And that shouldn't surprise us, right? Because God created marriage. He, he thought the whole thing up. It's his idea from the very beginning. And last week we looked at God's design for wives, which is to be submissive and to follow their husband's lead. And it was it was a great time in the Word, and if you missed it, I really encourage you to check it out. But guys, I hope you're ready because today it's our turn. And, and, and let me say up front that my tone with the guys would be a little bit rougher than my tone with the ladies. You see, ladies are like a wine glass, right? You know, and, and you got to be careful how you hold this thing. You don't want to drop it, right? And you know, I like to treat ladies like a wine glass. Guys, oh, oh, excuse me. <laughs> We're kind of like a thermos, right? I mean, you're not worried about this thing. I mean, you, you can drop it, you know, you can, you can drop kick it, right? Boom, there it goes. Oh, oh. <laughs> I better watch that in second service. I'll go hit somebody. <laughs> Boom. Kill the piano player. Thanks for coming, Stacey's Bob. I broke your foot. All right. I'm going to come right at us, guys, and I really do mean us because I'm a guy. And you know what? When I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning, I uh, you know, started getting concerned, anxious. You know, is it gonna, am I going to be too strong? Uh, is it going to be too rough? Am I going to mess up? Will I, will I tick some people off? Will, will I get beat up after the service in the parking lot? Ladies, I need you. <laughs> Protect me. You know, but by about 5.30, after praying and reflecting, it's like, you know, it'll be all right. Because my motives are simply this. So every man, every husband, every father, including me, to become better. To become better men to become better husbands, to become better fathers, all for God's glory, right? Why and how? Because we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, right? And like I said before, you know, if the sun doesn't shine, if the river doesn't flow, if the flowers don't bloom, they do not bring God's 
glory because they're not doing what God created them to do. And if we men and husbands are not what God created, then we are not bringing God glory. Does, does that make sense? And, 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 and I'll say this, you know, um, every guy who is the perfect father and husband, would you please stand up? All right, looking around, okay, okay. We have no liars and no one in delusion right now, so that's good. Good, it's good to get that settled. You got to know your audience, all right? Okay, well, we're all in the same boat. All right, now that I've sufficiently disarmed every guy here, right? Everybody's worried it's going to be a good day. Here's our text, 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Uh, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. And I like us to pray, and, you know, I, I ask, I don't command you to pray palms open, you know, because I know sometimes, I, I remember one time I was, you know, fairly new to Christianity, I was at a, a, a concert where they're telling everybody, you got to raise your hands. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not going to do that because you told me to do that, <laughs> you know, my rebellious nature, right, you know, and, and I'm not telling anyone they have to open palms, but sometimes something physical, right, just reminds us, and so to say, God, you know what, my palms are open, and, and I really want to take in what you have for me today, so, you know, you may, if you like, right, to open your palms, it's not a command, I'm not making you. Heavenly Father, God, we love you, and we thank you for your grace and your, and your mercy, God, thank you for loving us when we're unlovely. Thank you for filling us when we're dry. Thank you for picking us up when we fall. Thank you for believing in us when we no longer believe in ourselves. And God, I pray today that you'll just be with us, everybody, because anytime your word is spoken, truth is heard for everybody. But I pray especially for, you know, for the men, for the husbands in this room, God, including me. God, open my heart, open my mind. God, help me to see myself as you see me so that I can become the man that you created me to be, the dad, the husband. And Father, I thank you for your truth that we don't have to wonder uh, what we're supposed to be, uh, your word tells us. Holy Spirit, just reign in this place, reign in our lives, reign in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. The three points in our, in our notes today, the first is the ancient question. You see, if we have any chance at all in understanding what Peter is saying to us in our text about marriage, we have to see it in the context of the very first marriage. In the beginning, God created marriage, and he created man to be the head or the leader of this relationship. And we know this for several reasons. Number one, God made Adam first. Uh, number two, you know, God made Adam from the, made the woman from Adam. Uh, next, we see that God, you know, brought Adam, brought Eve to Adam, and Adam named her, which is a sign of leadership, and also because in various places throughout the New Testament, it says that the husband is the head or the leader of his wife and his family. And now, as you know, in the beginning, God said, everything was really, really good except one thing, and he said it was not good for man to be alone, so God creates woman, again, from Adam's rib, and he gives her to him to be his partner, to be his completer, to be his helper. And everything is fine and good until Genesis chapter 3. I don't know how much time went between those two chapters, but in Genesis chapter 3, it all starts going downhill rather quickly. 
We read this. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was there with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. Whoa. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. In Genesis 3, Satan comes onto the scene and engages Eve, not Adam. And Eve, rather than rebuking him, telling him to take a hike, she engages him. She listens as he lies, as he misquotes scripture, as he twists God's word, getting her to both doubt the goodness of God and to do that which was forbidden. Now, twice in the New Testament, and, and Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11 and 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says that, that Eve was deceived. Sure, she was well-intended, but as we all know, good intentions are never quite enough. And, and question, where was Adam while all of this was going down? She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. I understand when the serpent struck up a conversation with Eve, designed to confuse her about the goodness of God, Adam was right there, but he said nothing. That's right. Adam heard every word that the serpent spoke. I mean, he heard him misquote scripture, the command that God had given him, and he was silent. I mean, Adam, Adam watched as he saw his wife draw closer to the tree. He, he watched as she reached up to grab the fruit. She watched as she, he watched as she pulled it off the tree and took that bite. He was right next to her, and he didn't do one thing or say one thing to stop it. Adam was silent. Again, Eve was deceived by the snake, but Adam, Adam wasn't deceived. Instead, he sinned with his eyes wide open. Again, he knew what was going on the entire time. He even knew the consequences then, then, then why didn't Adam say something? Why didn't he do something? Eve, don't listen to his lies. This snake is up to no good. I can see right through his schemes. He's trying to get you to believe that, that you will gain more from disobeying God than from being faithful to God. That's a lie because he's a liar. Eve, look around this place that God is giving us. It's amazing. It's a paradise. Remember all, all the great fruit we had just the other day from just a few of the countless trees we get to eat? 
Come on, babe. <laughs> There's no reason to doubt God's intentions or his goodness. Why didn't he say something? And why didn't he turn to the serpent and say, hey, bro, this conversation is officially over. Why didn't he say, you better crawl your butt on out of here before I make you a bedtime snack? But Adam said nothing. He stood there, listening and watching the whole thing go down, not saying a single word. And in so doing, Adam, he, he failed his wife. He, he failed his family. He failed the human race. He, he failed to represent his God, not because of what he did, but because of what he didn't do. You see, too many times, you know, uh, we only understand our sin in terms of commission. Hey, I, I didn't, it was a good week. I didn't kill anybody this week, <laughs> you know. But understand, there are also sins of, of omission. James put it this way in James uh, 4, verse 17. James, is, he, he's a straight shooter, right? It's a sin to know what you ought to do and not do it. See, it's a sin to... Not forgive when God says you should forgive. It's a sin to not love your enemies when you know that God said you're to love your enemies, right? It's, it's not just the things we do, it's the things that we don't do. Again, Adam's sin was one of omission. He didn't stand up, he didn't speak up, he, he didn't love his wife, he didn't lead his family. And, and who did God come looking for? As Adam and Eve are in fear and shame hiding in the bushes, they hear the footsteps. He called to the man, Adam, where are you? What have you done? Why are you hiding? Who, who told you you were naked? And guys, this is the ancient question. And, it, and it's a question for men only. And by the way, it's a question that God still asks of men today. Men, husbands, fathers, where are you? Where are you? What have you done? Men, fathers, husbands, why are, why are you hiding? Why aren't you loving your wife? Why aren't you leading your family? Why, why aren't we loving, leading, and serving my church? Steve, where are you? I understand that though, though Eve sinned first, Adam, God held Adam accountable because your marriage is a covenant, and in every covenant, there's a covenant head. Uh, and the head is responsible for making sure that the terms of the covenant are kept and that all parties are taken care of. But bottom line, if, since God has placed us in leadership, you know, if something's messed up at home, or in the church, not only does the buck stop with us guys, but the mighty one will come looking for us. Get it? Good. Listen, over and over again in New Testament, we read that man is ahead, that he's responsible for his wife and family. Now, that does not mean that, that, that a man is better than a woman. We talked about that last week. Remember, the question is not who is better or worse or who has more or less value, but rather who has God designed for what? What has God designed the woman for and what has God designed the man for? Both equal worth before God. 
Again, Adam and Eve both sin, both are at fault, both are cursed, but God comes looking for and calling out to Adam. Why? Because they're in a covenant relationship and in, he is the covenant head. A guy named Larry Crabb, he, he's, a, he's a really good Christian and a, a great counselor and author. Many of his books have impacted my life in just incredible ways. He, he wrote a book called The Silence of Adam, and here's what he writes. Larry Crabb, C-R-A-B-B. The silence of Adam is the beginning of every man's failure, from the rebellion of Cain to the impatience of Moses, from the weakness of Peter down to my failure yesterday to love my wife well. Since Adam, every man has had a natural inclination to remain silent when he should speak. A man is most comfortable in situations in which he knows exactly what to do. When things get confusing and scary, his insides tighten and he backs away. When life frustrates him with its maddening unpredictability, he feels the anger rise within him. And then filled with terror and rage, he forgets God's truth and looks out for himself. From then on, everything goes wrong. Committed only to himself, he scrambles to make his own life work. The result is what we see every day. Sexual passions out of control. Uninvolved husbands and fathers. Angry men who love to be in the driver's seat. And it all began when Adam refused to speak. Listen, from that moment in the garden, things became messed up. And they still are. You see... When men, when, when me, <laughs> me man, okay, when, when men ignore God's path for manhood, they, they, they tend to choose one of two destructive paths. One of two words that I hate, that I do not want to wear as a label, that both start with the letter C. Cowardice and chauvinism. Now, now the... The bush of cowardice that, that, that we can tend to hide behind is what Adam hid behind. It's when we, like Adam, we, we, we just stand there. We, we don't speak up. We don't lead our families. But instead, we become passive men who avoid conflict and responsibility at all costs, dumping part of our curse on our wives. Bad enough they got their own curse, we want to put some of ours on her. And sure, we may be dependable, we may go to work, we may pay the bills, but we are emotionally absent. We come home, we turn on the TV, and we check out, or we are always working on the car, working in the garage, working in the yard, or hanging out in our study. Again, we may be present, but we are disconnected. And then the, sometimes we go to the opposite extreme. Not wanting to be cowards, we, we choose the way of, of, of chauvinism, and, 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 and we, choose to, uh, we, we choose to be mean and macho, cruel, controlling, demeaning, harsh, and destructive. You see, when we hide behind this bush, you know, you know we define manhood uh, by success, our successes and our victories, right? Hey, check out my car. Look where I work. Look, look at my wins. Look what I can do. Look at all that I control with my power. See, see, the ancient question is, Steve, where are you? 
Where are you hiding? Uh, understand, God did not create me to be as a man, as a husband. God did not create me to be passive too little or, or to be aggressive too much. And I got to tell you, I hate those two words, both of them. But you know what I hate more than those two words, cowardice and chauvinist? I hate that sometimes I see a little bit of me in both of those things. But the good news, you know, is that God always had a plan for true manhood. God has an answer. You see, the first Adam, he blew it. And when he blew it, he set mankind manhood on a very dangerous and destructive path, but God had a plan. You see, there is a second Adam, according to the Bible, Romans 5, 1 Corinthians 15, and that second Adam is God's son, Jesus Christ. And let, let me tell you, this second Adam, he shows men what, what it means to be a husband. He, he shows men what it means to be a man. Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it. Some of us feed it too much, right? Just as Christ does a church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. Man, isn't it? Men and women together, what a mystery. What a mystery, right, that we're still together, right? Some of all these years, how are we still here? But I'm talking about Christ in the church. However, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, there's so, there's so much that we could talk about in regards to husbands and marriage. But, but there's one overriding principle that Jesus, the perfect man, taught us about being a man. You see, the, the key to manhood, the key to masculinity is summed up in this one word, responsibility. Responsibility. Which is something that the first Adam, you know, the hiding in the bushes Adam, you know, the, hey, God, it, it's your fault because you gave me this woman, Adam, wasn't so good at. But however responsibility was something that Jesus modeled to perfection. You see, Jesus took responsibility for himself. He worked. He had a job. He took responsibility for us, for our sins, for our shame. And he, he had none of that. None of it was his fault, but yet Jesus makes them. Jesus made my sin his responsibility. I understand, a man according to the pattern of Jesus and the original design of God is one who takes responsibility. First for himself, he gets a job, he keeps a job. He keeps his hands off any lady that's not his wife. He pays his bills, he stops downloading porn, right? He takes responsibility for himself. And listen, guys, if, if we can't take care of ourselves, we shouldn't even get a pet let alone a wife and a family, right? Got to take responsibility for ourselves, and then gee, we need to take responsibility for others. Men of Maple Grove, we, we need to take responsibility for our wives. We need to take responsibility for our families, for our church, for our company, for our city, for our world. 
You see, bottom line, being a man is not about finding other people to carry our load. It's, it's about shouldering our own load and, and helping other people carry their load. It's about taking responsibility. It's about being like Jesus because that's what Jesus did. Man of, Maple, man of Maple Grove, get it? Good. Told you we'd have fun today. <laughs> Where is that thermos? It's out there somewhere. I would hold it right now, but I don't want to bend down and go get it <laughs> and say, guys, it's a thermos. It's all good. Husbands, honor your wives is, is, a, is a final point. And the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Now, in the previous verse in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 6, we looked at it last week. You may recall that, that, that God says that when it comes to the marriage, that, that women are, are prone to what? They're prone to fear. And you know what? The, the fears that a lady can have towards marriage are legitimate fears. I understand, when a woman marries a guy, she's trusting the rest of her life to him. She's trusting that he, that he won't hit her, he won't abuse her, he won't cheat on her. She's trusting that he'll work hard, that he'll pay the bills, that he'll love their children, that he'll finish the race well. She's trusting that he'll walk with Jesus. She's trusting that, that if, if she gets sick, that he's going to look after her. Uh, that if she's dying, that he'll be faithful to her. It's a terrifying thing for a woman to trust her life to a sinful man. And, and what Peter is saying to us as husbands and as men, hey, he says, live in such a way that you eliminate those fears. The same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but is your weak, equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. And, and, and what I want to do now is talk about several practical ways, men, that, that we can honor our wives. And, and, and listen, every guy in here, right, and again, we're, we're all, I refuse to believe I'm the only messed up husband in here, right? I, I, you know, I, I refuse to believe I'm the only sinner in this room, right? Okay. And, and, and guys, we all have room, right? We all have room, right, for repentance. Real men repent, right? Real men repent. You know, we all have room for growth, okay? And no matter how great we think we are, hey, I got this husband thing down. I ought to write me a book, right? Um, uh, we all have room for repentance. And, and guys, you know, I, I, I love you. I love me. I'm a guy. <laughs> and... and Again, if it's maybe a little bit rougher, you're not a wine glass, all right? You're thermos. Get over it, right? I don't know about you. Every now and then, I need my butt kicked a little bit, right? And, and, and here we go. Um, uh, first, we should... Aye, aye. Aye, Captain. She said, assume the position, right? Any guy need their butt kicked? I do, all right? Jimmy Lou's volunteering. <laughs> Line up, guys. <laughs> First, let's honor her maritally. And what this means is that we are to be, guys, a one-woman man, absolutely faithful to her wife. You see, we're not to be the flirt guy. We're not to be the female's buddy guy. We're not to be the downloading poor guy, porn guy. We're not to be the wandering eye guy. Uh, we're not to be the uh, have some lady on the side just in case guy. And listen, if you're one of those guys you're not honoring your marriage, 
and you're in sin. Gentlemen, does your wife know that she is the only one for you? Does your wife know without a doubt that you want to be with her forever? Do you honor your marriage? Uh, you know, o- over the years, I- I've seen way too many guys break their marriage vows. I, I-, I see them leave their wives for, for another woman, or-, or I see them constantly make their wives feel that they're not attractive and that they're not desirable. And, and for single ladies, if you are one or no one, if you're dating a guy who's like this, if you're dating a flirt guy, a wandering eye guy, my advice to you is dump him, dump him now, dump him fast. Because if he's like that now when he's on his best behavior, trying to win you, it'll get worse when you're married. Ladies, you are a daughter of the king of glory. You deserve so much better than a guy whose eyes wandered to other places. Amen? Next, honor her physically. Peter says that she's weaker than you. And what that basically means is that most of the times if you get in a fist fight with your wife, the guy's going to win. Gentlemen, be strong for your wife. Use your physical strength for her, not against her. Question. Do you ever use your physical presence to intimidate your wife? Do you ever give her that look, that pierced glaze that says, you best back off now. Now's a good time to sit down and shut up. That is not being a man. That's being a bully. Gentlemen, our physical presence should make our wives feel protected, should make our wives feel secure. And let me say this, single ladies, if you ever date a guy who gets physical who, or who threatens to get physical, run. Run now. Run fast. Run for your life. Run for the lives of your children. Listen, ladies, it is never, 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 never your fault If a man hurts you, if he harms you, you he's in sin. There's no excuse. And Man, I've seen it happen too many times. I sat in jail with too many guys across the table who mistreated their wives. and Honor her physically. Let your presence comfort her. I'm going to be all right because my man's here. Honor her emotionally. Now, some guys will say, you know what? I'm just not emotional. I don't connect. I don't do feelings. Well, guess what? Get over yourself. You're created in the image of God. It's in the Bible. And God has feelings. God has emotions. Jesus certainly displayed them, which means that we can learn to express them. It can be hard. Man, I struggle. I got married at 20, and I struggled to do this in the beginning. Check this out. This guy is really trying to do it the right way, learning how to deal with emotions the right way. Check this video out. It's hilarious. That is hilarious. Okay. Got to honor our wives emotionally. It's not about the nail. Uh, bottom line, guys, our wives need intimacy. Someone has um, paraphrased that, into me see. They need intimacy, into me see. Your wife wants to be known by you, and she wants to know you. She wants you to open up, to be passionate, to be loving, to be connected. She wants the guy you were maybe when you were dating. The Bible says that Adam was with Eve and he knew her. Next, guys, we need to honor our wives verbally. Guys, how how do you speak to your wife? 
What do you say to her? What do you say about her? What do you say about her when she's not around? Do you honor her verbally? Do you honor her verbally in front of other people? Man, that's a huge win, I got to tell you. Or it's a devastating loss, right? Right? I mean, there was times I wasn't really good at this. You know, where, I mean, I'm honoring my wife at home. We're getting it with other people. For some reason, I would be like an idiot. And, and, you know, and every good thing I've done when we were by ourselves, it got, it got canceled out. It got canceled out, right? You know, I mean, brag on your wife publicly, man. You know, you should be your greatest, your wife's greatest cheerleader. Everybody should know that. Man, this guy is like obsessed with that lady. Absolutely. And you may say, well, I never hit my wife. But have you heard her with your words? And guys, if we dishonor our wife with our words, our kids see it, and we're teaching them to do the very same thing. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Next, we need to honor her practically. Men, consider her needs and how you can serve her. Help around the house, wash dishes, fold laundry, do things for her. If she, you know, if she wants a glass of water, get it. If she wants ice cream at 2 a.m., get in the car, drive to the 24-hour Walmart, get the ice cream, go home, put it in a bowl, and you bring it to her. <laughs> Guys, look for ways to serve and to outserve your wife. That's what leadership is, right? That's what leadership does. Leaders serve. Jesus, the greatest of all time, he washed the dirty feet, right? He washed the dirty feet of men. Next, honor her parental, parentally. Too many guys dump the bulk of raising the kids on their wives. Gentlemen, our wives want us to love our kids, to help raise the kids, to spend time with the kids, to help discipline the kids. Our, our wives want to see us do guy things with the boys, to go on uh, daddy dates with our girls. They, our wives want to see us teach our kids about Jesus, and we should want to. We should want to do that. A few weeks ago on Father's Day, I, I read this quote by Chris Rock. He said, when I hear people talk about juggling or the sacrifices they make for their children, I look at them like they're crazy. Because sacrifice infers there was something better to do than being with your children. Now, the truth is, in our society, we have, we have too few kids that have dads. We have too few kids that have Christian dads. And there are too few kids that have dads that are doing their job. And guys, I got to tell you this too, man. Like, you know, publicly praising your wife covers a multitude of sins, so does loving, <laughs> so does loving uh, y- y- your wife's children cover a multitude of sins. When your wife knows you love those kids, you do anything for those kids, it'll cover a multitude of your many sins. Amen, guys, it's true. Next, honor her spiritually. Too many Christian women have to go to church on their own or they have to drag their husband and their kids. Man, it's our job to lead Spiritually. Oh, we, we need to pray with and for a family. We, we, need to, we need to read the Bible. We need to pick a good church, become a member, submit to, it, submit to its leadership, and serve God through that church. You see, for, for, and all of us in some ways, some of us in maybe too many ways, you know, we've been on the on-deck circle long enough. <laughs> it's time for us to step up the plate and take a swing, right? You'll never get hit it unless you swing, right? You, you know, it's, we need to step in a batter's box, step up, and take a swing. How do we honor our wives? And guys, we all can do better, right? Honor her maritally. 
Only woman for me. Make sure she knows that. Honor her physically. Let, let your presence comfort her. I, I, honor her emotionally. Help her get the nail out of her head without her knowing you're trying to get the nail out of her head. I, I honor her verbally. Can you do better? Honor her practically. How can you serve her better this week, right? Honor her parentally, right? If you've kind of been you know, not doing your job as a parent, then you need to step up and do it. Do a little better job. Ladies, you need to support your guys, right? Yeah, I, I didn't give you bullets to shoot at your husband, right, this morning. Uh, you need to encourage and pray for them. It's a tough job in this world to be the men that God wants us to be because everything's putting us down all the time and tells us you don't want to be that way. And honor her spiritually. And like I said, guys, it's been a slightly thermos kind of talk. And I hope that you receive it in the spirit that it was giving. And listen, no matter where we are, I mean, I got to admit, there's times I think I got it going on, right? I'm a great husband. I'm, and I can, when I look closer, I go, dude, <laughs> be careful if you think you stand, lest you fall on your butt, sucker, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it is, you know, I, you know, we all have to grow, right? And real men do what? Real men repent and real men change, right? We can do better, right? We can go deeper. We can go further. Hey, here, I want to read this real quick. I put on Facebook, because you know what? A, a lot of guys here are doing a good job at this church. And I'm saying, keep doing what you're doing and do even more. Here's a question I, I put on Facebook. What are one or two ways that your husband honors you? Um, these are all, you can check my Facebook. I only put ones from our church. Um, Meredith says, he understands me, pays attention to all the little things, always has. I love his attention to detail and his true gentleman ways. Serene, planning date nights and continuing to pursue. Natalie, he cleans the shower because he knows I hate it. He also calls me every day just to say hi or see how I'm doing. It means so much to me. Uh, Jenny, prays for our family, consistent daily quiet time, knows the importance of bringing his family to church and makes me coffee every morning. Lee. By always showing respect to me, showing our children we are a team, always putting my needs before his own. Brandy, he's always there for me through the hard time and easy times. When I'm feeling down, he encourages me to look to God and reminds me when things are good, it's all because of God. He also knows how to make me laugh, which is a powerful tool. Karen, he is here. We've been through many ups and downs in our 20 years of marriage, and because the Lord puts together, we are still together. He is committed to our marriage no matter what. Beth, Steve makes me coffee the night before so that when I come downstairs, it's ready to go. He's also very sacrificial in our relationship. He always thinks of me and my needs before his own, makes sure that my day is going to go okay. Andrea, he does everything for me and the kids on days I can barely move. That is love. Pam, Michael's always jumped right in and got done what needed to be done with no complaints. He always prays for me. He stands beside me and worships our Heavenly Father and draws us even closer to our Savior. This is Shelly. Perry insists we have date nights. He also arranges a trip for our birthdays. We're only two days apart to an undisclosed place, just the two of us. But my number one choice, how he honors me, there's nothing more attractive to me than my husband playing with my kids and becoming the godly father of our children. That gives me pride and honor that I chose the man God had in mind for me. Fred Genshi. I'll speak for Sylvia. On second thought, I'll keep my mouth shut. 
And it's Sylvia. Fred honors me by taking the time to be in God's Word. He also knows my strengths and weaknesses and doesn't belittle me. He cooks dinner and serves me 24 years on June the 30th. Amen. Amen. We got a lot of guys that are doing it right. Here's just one question. You know, if you haven't been sufficiently motivated, um, what does God say happens to a guy who does not do what God's word is telling us to do in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, to honor their wives? Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. How, how does God respond to the prayers of a man who does not honor his wife? He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Understand, man, we are dating. We're either dating or we're married to one of God's daughters. I mean, do we really think that we can mistreat her, abuse her, neglect her, ignore her, hurt her, touch her when she's not our wife, and then cry out to God, help me, and expect God to help us? God says, no way, that's not happening. God says, if you don't honor my daughter, if you don't love my daughter, if you don't treat my daughter right, you are on your own. But guys, the converse is also true. Let's not just look at the negative. Because Peter's also said, guys, if you treat your wife well, if you honor your wife, you are not alone, and your prayers will not be hindered. You want to know how to become a more effective prayer guy? Yeah, I don't know how to pray effectively. God says, honor your wife. You'll be surprised what that'll do for you. You'll be surprised what I'll unleash in your favor if you do that, if you treat my daughter well. And guys, it's not going to be easy to do this, right? I mean, you know, I've been a man since I was born. Well, the boy grew into a man, you know. You know, I've been a husband since August of 1980, you know, and I'm still got a ways to go. But, but I tell you, you know, there's a statement in your notes that says, um, we've got that slide, pop that sucker up there. And, and this is for you. Yeah, I, I like having a little circle thing, right? It's a little physical thing, but, you know, here's, here's what I, I think God, I, I don't think I'm out of bounds here. I think God would want this, right? Say, I commit today. To begin upping my game when it comes to honor my wife. That's all, that's all the commitment God wants. You know, you know and, and if you have a, a pen, you know, feel free to circle that. You know, it, but you got to give an answer, right? You know, say, yes, I, I commit to stepping up my game. You know, honor my wife in a greater way. And I'll tell you what's going to help you do that, guys. It's all about connection, right? Man, without God's help, I, I'd be a coward. Or chauvinist, and I wouldn't know which one I'd be. I'd, I'd, I'd go from one to the other. I'd back away from tough situations because I'm too scared, and I try to control and be mean to show, hey, here's what I'm, I'm in control. I'd, I'd be a total idiot, more, more of an idiot than I already am, right? So it's this connection with God and also a connection with other guys. And we got some guys that are doing good, right? Not perfect, but I, I love reading what guys at Maple Grove are doing for their wives and trying to honor their wives, and we're meant to do life together. So I just want to encourage you guys, connect to God, uh, connect to other men. Um, you know, and if you're not connected with men, write on your connection card, hey, I like to connect with some guys in the church. And, and we're doing this thing called Band of Brothers where once a month you get together, maybe grab wings and watch a football game once a, once a month and connect with other guys and see what God does with that, right? Because it's hard. Enemy's going to beat us up. But wow, I'll tell you what, 
to know, man, the more we honor our wives, the more God answers our prayers. Man, that's some serious motivation right there. I want to close with this slide right here that applies to all of us in this whole section we're in. You're here, ladies, husband, wives, workers. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Is there another one? Cool. <laughs> Go back. and I'm going to act like it was the only one. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Live such good lives your marriages, where you work, that though the world see, what's that? Oh, no. Oh, I didn't want the whole thing. You know, that though, though the world wants to accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God in heaven. Somebody's watching us, Maple Grove. They're watching our marriages. They're watching how we do it. And the better we do, the more people that are drawn to him. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we love you so much. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for your patience with me. It takes me so long to get it, and sometimes I get it and I forget it. <laughs> I let it slip away. And God, I pray for your church in Maple Grove, God, that we will, God, God that, that our light will burn brighter and that our salt will be saltier, God, uh, that we'll deal with our sin differently, Lord, that we'll follow your design for marriage no matter what the world says. God, that will show respect and submission to authority so that the world sees our lives and they see something different about us. And, and God, the whole goal, we just want to bring you glory. And Father, I pray for the men in this room. God, just be with us. Um, help us to be the men you want us to be, the fathers, the husbands you want us to be. Thank you for being in our corner. Thank you for not giving up on us. And God, we just ask as we're about to sing, Lord, because we're so clueless how to do it, God. Our way is so wrong at times, and we just want to say, Lord, that we want you to have your own way with us. In Jesus' name.